for listening to the latest Midas Touch clips. Like Lawrence, Lawrence O'Donnell. How did you get off metformin? I use the 10 second peanut trick. What's the 10 second peanut trick? It's a delicious way to make. In the new book by former Congresswoman Liz Cheney, as you just heard, she is out on book tour, but she's saying some pretty newsworthy and important things. A little context up front. You know Liz Cheney, but let's recall that she's a politician who emerged from the hard right plank of the Bush-Cheney era. She rose to Republican Party leadership in the House, where she added some gravitas. She was the highest-ranking woman at one point in the GOP. Today, when you think about it, former Speaker McCarthy lost his post because of MAGA insurgents. Cheney lost her entire job and political career, at least as far as Congress is concerned, all because she stood up against Trump's coup. When it occurred in the days after, she was clear on the floor of the House and in the impeachment process that we cannot sit by and allow coups and attacks on democracy in this country. That was the baseline. That was it. That proved to be too much in the clash between the loser of the 2020 race and the MAGA fever in Republican districts. Following that fever, many party elites turned on Cheney. But she went to co-chair the January 6th committee, which investigated that insurrection. She's now making headlines like this with the new book. She's speaking out in these interviews. I should mention she will join Rachel here on MSNBC in a few hours tonight and join Nicole tomorrow. And here was Cheney this morning on Trump's threat and her former colleagues in Congress. People who say, well, if he's elected, it's not that dangerous because we have all of these checks and balances don't fully understand the extent to which the Republicans in Congress today um, have been co-opted. One of the things that we see happening today is sort of a, a sleepwalking into uh, dictatorship in the United States. Dictatorship in the United States. That is a strong warning. To many, that word, that concept, that idea evokes something that is viewed as external to the U.S., of leaders somewhere else or in some other time, some other era. That habit of thinking is wrong. It's why there are entire books about how it can, quote, happen here to push Americans to understand the threat and the way both democracies and dictatorships operate. It's why historians are now comparing what Donald Trump is saying in public on the campaign trail to dictators like Mussolini when he dehumanizes our fellow citizens in this country as, quote, vermin who must be rooted out. And Cheney, who staked her career on this, is saying this threat is now here. She is carefully and precisely warning how she views Donald Trump as a would-be dictator like Mussolini or Mao, that if he does win next year, based on everything she's learned, and remember the high level of the Republican Party that she reached, she is now certain, based on the evidence, he would try to then stay in power forever. Do you believe if Donald Trump were elected next year that he would try to stay in office beyond a second term? That he would never leave office? There's no question. There's you think no he would question. try to stay in power forever? Absolutely. I mean, he's already done it once. He's already attempted to seize power. And he was stopped, um, thankfully, and, and for the good of the nation and the republic, 
but but he said he will do it again. He's expressed no remorse for what he did. Everything you heard her say there is a public fact. It's not contested in the actual reality of people who follow facts and evidence. And so it matters that we are witnessing here a failed U.S. school leader run for re-election without remorse, without taking any of it back, let alone yet facing real accountability. Now, obviously, historical comparisons can be debated, but Trump's embrace of dictators is well known from Russia to China, a state which does not use democracy to organize itself. Trump actually backed the Chinese government's crushing of dissent. A new piece in The Times unearths his comments from 1990, how the then authoritarian Chinese government killed demonstrators in Tiananmen Square, hundreds of innocent students. Trump said that back then that the killings, which he was aware of, he said when the students poured into Tiananmen Square, the Chinese government was vicious, horrible, but they put it down with strength. And he then said something that he's, of course, repeated many times. Our country right now is perceived as weak in contrast to what he called strength. Now, these new warnings about Trump are not confined to the political figures who may clash with him. You could bring this up at your you know, Christmas or holiday gatherings and have a Republican member of the family say, well, but Cheney and him are opponents now. And they did become opponents, but only because she opposed the coup. But you can widen beyond that and look at the independent reporting, which is tracing the signs that a second Trump term would be more radical with authoritarian tactics. The Times has a report on that, noting the forces which had contained his autocratic tendencies would be weaker. That America is putting it mildly. Whether one likes Donald Trump's policies and politics or think his policies or what he did are worth the downsides, there's a whole right-wing movement to over, overturn Roe v. Wade that wanted that bargain, and they got their policy part. That's subjective. But it is not up for debate. It is not subjective that Donald Trump, as a fact, has opposed democracy and acted to overthrow it, to foment an insurrection, to stage a coup. Some of these facts occurred in very open public. Some were more hidden and exposed over time by independent accounts, by the probe Cheney and others led. Some of those plots, as we've shown you in these arrows, are now indicted and convicted. We've tracked this for years now, this coup conspiracy. This is all documented. Whether or not Donald Trump is convicted of coup-related crimes in March is a legal question. But the coup attempts, which other people have already been convicted of, are already facts. A second Trump term would be a life term in his mind. And we have the documented efforts. We have the facts and the public perception that matter here. So Cheney's stance may matter for the real world fact that people may listen to her more than they listen to some other sources. And we're seeing signs of these wider warnings as the Republican primary voting begins next month. Here's a new big special from the Atlantic, which features many people speaking out, including another Bush Cheney administration veteran, David Frum arguing that Trump actually had a, a kind of a competence problem in his first term where his own ignorance of the system mitigated what Trump calls his, quote, corruption and brutality. Well, in a second term, Trump would arrive with a better understanding of the system's vulnerabilities and more willing enablers in tow. Now, another Bush Cheney official has also concluded that when you take it all together, Trump has basically dissolved the actual Republican Party. I don't think there is a Republican Party. There is a cult around Donald Trump. They didn't, they didn't adopt a platform in 2020, which meant they didn't set out what they stood for. 
it was whatever Donald Trump tells us we should stand for today, that's what we'll stand for. So it's not a party as we have known it. Not a party, but a cult. Cults work on obedience, not through thought or debate. Modern authoritarian regimes also, they work off propaganda and conspiracy theories because the truth itself as an external reality you don't control is not how they work. They see truth and the belief in what is real or what is happening as one more tool of power to control things. Now, one more conservatively expert in this space, Robert Kagan, sounding the alarm that an American Trump dictatorship now looks increasingly inevitable. And where others see a cult, as I mentioned, he sees empire specifically, quote, like Caesar, Trump wields a clout that transcends the laws and institutions of government with unswerving personal loyalty of his army of followers. Now, democracy and human rights are a long way from empires that rule peasants or slaves. And while there are now some comedic takes online about how much people think about the Roman Empire these days, it is dead serious the notion of an actual Trump-led wannabe empire is the end of democracy, which sounds like a bad thing unless, by the way, you're part of this sort of half-trolling, half-serious right-wing online community where some now push what they literally call red Caesarism as a kind of a code envisioning Trump as a new Caesar to deal with the collapse of the United States. Now, in that conspiracy theory, Collapse is just another doomsday word which assumes the end of democracy that they actually want to enact, just as they went, some of them, to storm the Capitol, just as some of them are now in prison for that. Collapse is a passive word. Overthrowing the government is an active one, and that's what they, of course, some of them are convicted of already having done. Now, one place that Trump did fail in all this in office was trying to get generals of the military to join his illegal plan. He's trying to build more support for that right now as well, discussing what sound like illegal efforts to hijack existing federal law as a way to justify using the military to crush domestic unrest. Trump also has openly called for the murder or assassination of one of the generals he opposes. He wants to put more loyalists in government to enact the plans, including prosecuting opponents. All of this matters. All of this is a part of what we're headed for next year. And if you feel exhausted or more ready for the holidays or would rather watch something else or read something else or think about something else, I get that. But they are counting on that and a lot more in order to get where they want to go. And believe me, vigilance, engagement, civic participation is not only a duty of being in a democracy, but also really, if you want to look at it this way, a small price to pay for avoiding what might come. Where do we go from here? These are ancient atavistic problems for any society that seeks to be governed by something more than corrupt and oppressive mob rule. The singer Frank Ocean, I should say, the singer Frank Ocean boiled this down once to its essence. Human beings in a mob, what's a mob to a king? What's a king to a god? And what's a god to a non-believer who doesn't believe in anything. America is quite literally facing a mob that wants a king, with a king who wants to be a kind of god, with a mob that doesn't believe in facts or anything other than getting its way. That was dangerous in Rome. 
It's dangerous if you face that kind of non-believer in the Colosseum. And from what we can tell on the evidence with no deliberate alarmism, it is dangerous right now. And if you don't believe it when you hear it documented or in independent accounts, would you believe it when you hear so many of the Republican Party's former members and allies making this very specific warning about the red alert of red Caesarism, their term, their admission. See here. Earning just yeah. the minimum. Listen up, because I'm about to drop some serious news you need now. Opportunities like this don't come often. Charlie, let's pick up a conversation you and I started a week ago Friday um, about the role of the media. Trump is re-upping um, some of his dirtiest smears against the media calling uh, the networks of NBC and MSNBC owned by our parent company Comcast enemies of the people, again, accusing them of being against the country. Um, your thoughts? Well, you know, what I suggested, I think it was a week ago, is that the news media has not yet figured out how to handle Donald Trump. He's not a normal candidate. This is totally abnormal. And yet there is that impulse that, okay, if, uh, you know, he's the front runner, we have to cover him. Yeah, you have to cover him, but you have to give him free airtime. You have to platform his fire hose of disinformation and malice. How do you deal with someone who lies this frequently or this volubly or who poses such a threat to democratic norms? Do you treat him like every other candidate? The answer is no, you don't cover Donald Trump like you would any other candidate. Hi, my name is Suri Crow. I'm a journalist and contributor here on the Midas Touch Network. And the clip you just listened to is from conservative commentator and publisher Charlie Sykes, who is talking about the fact that the mainstream media has yet to really figure this conundrum of how to cover someone like Trump. Firstly, let me tell you this, that we need big legacy mainstream media, the CNNs, the networks, the CBSs, the NBCs, the ABCs, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Not only because they have some incredible journalists, but moreover, they have deep resources to deploy to news coverage. There's a huge difference between local news outlets, which are often operating on a bare bones budget with minimum staff. And I can tell you that from personal experience, that as corporations purchase more and more local TV news outlets, they trim resources to make their bottom line more profitable, which means that reporters are now required to do so much more than they used to. For example, when I started in TV news, it was just go out and report the story, which is, trust me, really hard again because you're often not just covering one story by the time i left local tv news it was go report the story immediately at the scene put it on blast on social media when you're still trying to figure out what the facts are of the story interview people to get exactly what's going on and then in many cases reporters are also asked to be their own videographer to shoot and then edit the story and then of course you write the story and if you're going live you do that and then at the end of your 12 to 13 or 14 hour workday, then you're expected to come back and publish it on the station's website. So that is a breakneck pace that wears out even the hardiest and youngest reporters. It's, it's exhausting. Big legacy media companies, on the other hand, employ more staff, which allows them to cover topics on a much deeper, much more intensive level. 
They have big investigative news units, which is great. Sadly, many investigative news units have been cut out of local news outlets for the reasons I mentioned earlier. They have profits. That's what runs the show. And it's, it's sad. But anyway, many local newspapers have also shuttered because they just couldn't compete with large corporate media. All of this to say is that a local news reporter trying to turn anywhere from one to three or four stories a day is not going to be able to keep up with the fire hose of lies and disinformation coming from someone like Trump. And that is intentional. Trump lieutenant and complete toady Steve Bannon once admitted that the strategy behind getting Trump elected was flood the zone with shit. This is how propaganda works. They overwhelm you, like with a fire hose. I don't like going to Truth Social at all because it is exactly that, a flood zone of shit and lies. But it is in those nonstop disinformation posts in Trump's feed that I discovered that he is threatening to dismantle Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, which provides health care to 40 million Americans. He's, of course, saying that he'll find a replacement for it, but that's a lie. The Republican Party as a whole has never come up with an alternative to the now very popular Affordable Care Act. He's also, you remember when he was in office, he said he was going to improve America's infrastructure, rebuild all the airports and roads and bridges. Of course, he never did. It was another one of his lies. And it is now thanks to the Biden administration that America's roads, uh, railway systems, airports are being rebuilt. Thank you, President Biden, not Trump. Also on his feed, I discovered that he is has been, well, before the gag order was reinstated, he was doxing New York, New York Civil Court Judge Arthur and Goran's family, uh, including naming posts where it wasn't even Judge and Goran's wife, as well as his chief law clerk, inciting his mob followers to harass them. It makes my head spin to go on there. And that is exactly the way he and the MAGA mob wants it. Today, he's attacking Attorney General, New York Attorney General Letitia James in a series of racist and misogynistic posts. Just on brand for him. Trump and his MAGA mob blast lies into the media, media ecostream to intentionally overwhelm the public. Listen to Lawrence O'Donnell, who is a host on MSNBC, talk about Trump's intentional strategy here. That's when it started. The American news media's failure to rise to the challenge of Donald Trump started in 2011 and has never stopped. I alone at the time said then that he was lying about sending people to Hawaii to investigate the birth certificate. Trump was surely amazed that he was able to get away with that kind of lie at the time. But he quickly learned how weak TV news could be in the real-time fact-checking and he relies on that weakness to this day. The news media is going to fail again in covering the Trump presidency. Now, I personally believe that Trump got way too much airtime in the run-up to the 2016 election. And I think that's sort of how we got here. He was just platformed by legacy media. But even then, the mainstream media did not come down hard enough in terms of reporting on, for example, Trump's lies about President Barack Obama's birth certificate. It was never, in my opinion, reported accurately as the full-blown racist and xenophobic attack that it was. And now he's threatening to take away health care from 40 million Americans. And that was not a big story when he said it. So this is my point. We need the mainstream media to pick up the pace, but we also need 
as many legitimate, accurate journalists out there covering all of this. And one of those journalists is uh, Brian Kloss, who is a writer for The Atlantic, which, in my opinion, is doing some of the best journalism out there right now. Kloss recently wrote this in a substack regarding Trump coverage in 2024. Here's what Kloss says. I hope others in the press listen. Bombarded by a constant stream of deranged authoritarian extremism from a man who might soon return to the presidency. We've lost all sense of scale and perspective, but neither the American press nor the public can afford to be lulled. The man who, as president, incited a violent attack on the U.S. Capitol in order to overturn an election is again openly fomenting political violence while explicitly endorsing authoritarian strategies should he return to power. That is the story of the 2024 election. Everything else is window dressing. I couldn't agree more. Speaking of the Atlantic, their January-February edition is dedicated solely to the damage and destruction that will befall America if Trump gets back into power. In 2016, many of these same writers and contributors accurately predicted much of the chaos and damage that Trump would in turn cause. And in this issue, they break it down topic by topic. It is a must read in my opinion, and I think it's a great holiday gift or stocking stuffer for the MAGA member in your family or friend circle. I've got, I've got an idea to maybe surprise a few mailboxes of, of people I know. So here is my take home point. We cannot become numb. Oh, it's just Trump being Trump. This is just the, the, what he does now. No, 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 because he's very dangerous. Yes, he looks like an orange clown, but he remains a, a huge threat and danger to our American way of life. The constant blast of chaos that Donald Trump creates can feel so exhausting. Trust me, I know it, but fascists want us to give up and just check out. Don't. Anybody from the MAGA extreme, and keep in mind that Donald Trump is telling us what he will do. He has outlined it in Project 2025, and he says it every day, every day, everywhere he goes. He's telling us what he will do. Create concentration camps, get rid of health care, possibly imprison journalists and press outlets that he doesn't care for. Anyone critical of Trump will not be allowed to stay because this time if Trump gets back in, he's bringing with him a well-oiled machine of MAGA loyalists who will be far more effective in getting his agenda done. The last time we had people in the Trump administration who still, thank God, adhered to the Constitution and the rule of law, we won't have that next time around. Like, I cannot say this strongly, strongly enough. Trump remains a clear and present danger to America's democracy and freedoms. And I know there are many things we need to do better in this country. We need to get women's rights back up and so many other things. But it is going to be a disaster if he gets in. So please join me in the effort, the pro-democracy effort, right here on the Midas Touch Network. My name is Suri Crow. Thank you so much for watching. And I uh, Trump is a real danger to enemy of the people. Diaper Donald. Knock him the fuck up.
reporter who ditched Sinclair shares how Trump exploits media. Trying to figure out what the facts are of the story, interview people to get exactly what's going on. And then in many cases, reporters are also asked to be their own videographer to shoot and then edit the story. And then, of course, you write the story. And if you're going live, you do that. And then at the end of your 12 to 13 or 14 hour workday, then you're expected to come back and publish it on the station. Publish it. So that is a breakneck pace that wears out even the hardiest and youngest reporters. It's it's exhausting. Big legacy media companies, on the other hand, employ more staff, which allows them to cover what? topics on a much deeper, much more intensive level. They have big investigative news units, which is great. Sadly, many investigative news units have been cut out of local news outlets for the reasons I mentioned earlier. They you know, profit. That's what runs the show. And it's, it's sad. But anyway, many local newspapers have also shuttered because they just couldn't compete with large corporate media. All of this to say is that a local news reporter trying to turn anywhere from one to three or four stories a day is not going to be able to keep up with the fire hose of lies and disinformation coming from someone like Trump. And that is intentional. Trump lieutenant and complete toady Steve Bannon once admitted that the strategy behind getting Trump elected was flood the zone with shit. This is how propaganda works. They overwhelm you, like with a fire hose. I don't like going to Truth Social at all because it is exactly that, a flood zone of shit and lies. But it is in those nonstop disinformation posts in Trump's feed that I discovered that he is threatening to dismantle Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, which provides health care to 40 million Americans. He's, of course, saying that he'll find a replacement for it, but that's a lie. The Republican Party as a whole has never come up with an alternative to the now very popular Affordable Care Act. He's also, you remember when he was in office, he said he was going to improve America's infrastructure, rebuild all the airports and roads and bridges. Of course, he never did. It was another one of his lies. And it's now thanks to the Biden administration that America's roads, uh, railway systems, airports are being rebuilt. Thank you, President Biden, not Trump. Also on his feed, I discovered that he is has been, well, before the gag order was reinstated, he was doxing. New York, New York civil court judge Arthur and Goran's family, uh, including naming posts where it wasn't even Judge and Goran's wife, as well as his chief law clerk, inciting his mob followers to harass them. It makes my head spin to go on there, and that is exactly the way he and the MAGA mob wants it. Today, he's attacking Attorney General, New York Attorney General Letitia James, in a series of racist and misogynistic posts. Just on brand for him. Trump and his mega mob blast lies into the media media ecostream to intentionally overwhelm the public. Listen to Lawrence O'Donnell, who is a host on MSNBC, talk about Trump's intentional strategy here. If you're like me and hate wire rounds, then this one's for you. Let me introduce you to supportive comfort wireless shaping rounds from Shaper. Trump's intentional and complete toady, Steve Bannon, once admitted that the strategy behind getting Trump elected was flood the zone with shit. This is how propaganda works. They overwhelm you, like with a fire hose. I don't like going to Truth Social at all 
because it is exactly that, a flood zone of shit and lies. But it is in those nonstop disinformation posts in Trump's feed that I discovered that he is threatening to dismantle Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, which provides health care to 40 million Americans. He's, of course, saying that he'll find a replacement for it, but that's a lie. The Republican Party as a whole has never come up with an alternative to the now very popular Affordable Care Act. He's also, you remember when he was in office, he said he was going to improve America's infrastructure, rebuild all the airports and roads and bridges. Of course, he never did. It was another one of his lies. And it's now thanks to the Biden administration that America's roads, uh, railway systems, airports are being rebuilt. Thank you, President Biden, not Trump. Also on his feed, I discovered that he is has been, well, before the gag order was reinstated, he was doxing New York, New York civil court judge Arthur and Goran's family, uh, including naming posts where it wasn't even judging Goran's wife, as well as his chief law clerk, and citing his mom followers to harass them. It makes my head spin to go on there, and that is exactly the way he and the mega mob wants it. Today, he's attacking Attorney General, New York Attorney General Letitia James in a series of racist and misogynistic posts. Just on brand for him. Trump and his mega mob blast lies into the media, media eco stream to intentionally overwhelm the public. Listen to Lawrence O'Donnell, who is a host on MSNBC, talk about Trump's intentional strategy here. That's when it started. The American news media's failure to rise to the challenge of Donald Trump started in 2011 and has never stopped. I alone at the time said then that he was lying about sending people to Hawaii to investigate the birth certificate. Trump was surely amazed that he was able to get away with that kind of lie at the time. But he quickly learned how weak TV news could be in the real-time fact-checking, and he relies on that weakness to this day. The news media is going to fail again in covering the Trump now, I personally believe that Trump got way too much airtime in the run up to the 2016 election. And I think that's sort of how we got here. He was just platformed by legacy media. But even then, the mainstream media did not come down hard enough in terms of reporting on, for example, Trump's lies about President Barack Obama's birth certificate. It was never, in my opinion, reported accurately as the full-blown racist and xenophobic attack that it was. And now he's going to take away health care for 40 million Americans. And that was not a big story when he said it. So this is my point. We need the mainstream media to pick up the pace, but we also need as many legitimate, accurate journalists out there covering all this. And one of those journalists is uh, Brian Kloss, who is a writer for The Atlantic, which, in my opinion, is doing some of the best journalism out there right now. Klaus recently wrote this in a substack regarding Trump coverage in 2024. Here's what Klaus says. I hope others in the press listen. Bombarded by a constant stream of deranged authoritarian extremism from a man who might soon return to the presidency. We've lost all sense of scale and perspective, but neither the American press nor the public can afford to be lulled. The man who, as president, incited a violent attack on the U.S. Capitol in order to overturn an election is again openly fomenting political violence while explicitly endorsing authoritarian strategies should he return to power. 
that is the story of the 2024 election. Everything else is window dressing. I couldn't agree more. Speaking of The Atlantic, their January-February edition is dedicated solely to the damage and destruction that will befall America if Trump gets back into power. In 2016, many of these same writers and contributors accurately predicted much of the chaos and damage that Trump would in turn cause. And in this issue, they break it down topic by topic. It is a must-read, in my opinion, and I think it's a great holiday gift or stocking stuffer for the MAGA member in your family or friend circle. I've got, I've got an idea to maybe surprise a few mailboxes of, of people I know. So here is okay. my take-home point. We cannot become numb. Oh, it's just Trump being Trump. This is just what he does now. No, 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 no. Because he's very dangerous. Yes, he looks like an orange clown. But he remains a, a huge threat and danger to our American way of life. The constant blast of chaos that Donald Trump creates can feel so exhausting. Trust me, I know it. But fascists want us to give up and just check out. Don't. Anybody from the MAGA extreme. And keep in mind that Donald Trump is telling us what he will do. He has outlined it in Project 2025, and he says it every day. Every day, everywhere he goes, he's telling us what he will do. Create concentration camps, get rid of health care, possibly imprison journalists and get rid of the veterans administration. For anyone critical of Trump will not be allowed to stay because this time if Trump gets back in, he's bringing with him a well-oiled machine Coterie. of MAGA loyalists who will be far more effective in getting his agenda done. The last time we had people in the Trump administration who still, thank God, adhere to the Constitution and the rule of law. We won't have that next time around. Like, I cannot say this strongly, strongly enough. Trump remains a clear and present danger to America's democracy and freedoms. And I know there are many things we need to do better in this country. We need to get women's rights back up and so many other things. But it is going to be a disaster if he gets in. So please join me in the effort, the pro-democracy effort, right here on the Midas Touch Network. My name is Suri Crow. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope to see you back here really soon. Very Peace. important uh, hey, Midas, my, love this report. Job. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram at Midas Touch to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow... is the real enemy of the people exclamation point right so yeah thanks for 305k you have great taste. And it's the commercial. There was a commercial that stole. That's my. That's my fucking joke. Expressing my my slogan. You've got good taste too. So they use it in commercial. Yeah. Missing Pima County teen found safe. Okay. What is this? local news. Uh, restored after outage on Tucson's south sides. Tucson Police Department hiring officer recruits. Uh, I bet you are. 
Heroes I saw are standing there performed brilliantly by 14 year old Liz McKillop. Dublin City today. Reese McPhillips. Let's hear that. What's all gonna do? Cracked or chipped windshield? Get clear view glass and tint to come to you for free. See what's going on in Dublin. Probably all know this one if you're a fan of the Beatles, the best band of all time. Easily though. This is their very first track off of their first album. This is Saunter Stand There. City today. Wacko Trumper gets surprise outcome from fed up federal judge. Okay. The government is robbing you, and you're honestly dumb if you haven't caught on. You were supposed to get yeah, 6,400. This is Michael Popak, legal AF Donald Trump, as Pied Piper led even Olympic swimming medalists to their demise on January 6th. I used to admire Cleet Keller. He was a colleague of, of uh, Michael Phelps, and in 2000 and 2004, two separate Olympics, he medaled five times, one individually, including two gold medals. Six foot six, he represented America at its finest in the early 2000s. 
but he fell under the clarion call of Donald Trump. It was just one of at least 1,200 people who stormed the Capitol and committed insurrection on that day on January 6th. And now, after two and a half years of pleading guilty, That's cooperating it. with the federal government, Not just he has been sentenced. Let me just talk a little bit more about Cleet Keller. Sad, sad story of Cleet Keller once I give you the full sort of context. That's what we do here on Legal AF on hot takes like this. We don't blow smoke or sunshine. We just give you the facts, give you our reason seasoned opinion and let you make your own conclusion about cleet keller cleet keller uh, was wearing his olympic jacket with the usa emblazoned all over it on jan 6th he decided and pled guilty to a felony related to his refusal to leave the capital to um resist arrest when he was being asked to leave to leading profane chants against nancy pelosi against chuck schumer uh, and and okay. he is literally an outsized presence in the Capitol. I mean, very few Capitol police taking a look at a strapping six foot six Cleet Keller wanted to tussle with that guy. And I think that's what he was banking on. Knowing that he was leaving the scene of a crime, as alleged in the papers submitted by the government in support of their sentencing recommendation of at least 10 months in prison, they said that he quickly got rid of his Olympic jacket and bashed his cell phone basically destroying evidence um, that could be used against him. Now, he claims he ran into a father and son on the train out, and he was embarrassed. He figured that one day they'd find out that he had committed these crimes, and so he, he ditched his phone and his jacket. That made absolutely no sense. It's obvious that knowing that he was wearing identifying clothing and wanting to get rid of his phone that had some videos on it that he had shot, he wanted to quickly get rid of it. So... Um, now, it's a sad case in its own way, just to show you how people in and around Donald Trump and various bands around him have all suffered because of their own in, independent conduct that has now been found criminally liable and sentenced. He uh, lost Plus, the custody um, of his children. Yeah. His stepfather of his children have received custody of the children he's uh, been out of work for on and off for a lot of the last 15 years. He slept out of his car at one point after the Olympic fame and the Olympic flame for him faded. Um, but that's no excuse for him deciding to scrape up whatever money he had on his Olympic jacket and go attack the seat of our democracy and, and be a leader in that role. Now, he pled guilty early. He cooperated with the federal government and the prosecutors early, trying to name names where he could. Um, he's been on effectively on probation for the last two and a half years. He's at least in his pretrial release. He's had a check-in regularly, and he's done all that dutifully. He's um, cried. He's admitted he was wrong. He's, he's uh, pled guilty without reservation. He's apologized to his family, America, and the court system. He's done all the right things there. And what the judge finally decided is to reject the call of the government. The government said that if you look at the federal sentencing guidelines based on his conduct, lack of criminal record, and all the other things that go into calculating a sentence under federal guidelines, it's about a 15 to 21 month sentence. The government said, we're going to give him a break. He's been out. 
He's been checking in regularly. He's been a good citizen since then, good participant in the criminal justice system uh, in that way. And so they recommended 10 months, but in prison. The judge took another look at it. You know, that's what the judge is allowed to do, wearing the black robe. And the judge said, if any case cries out for probation and making this person do good in the community and society and tell young people especially that are very uh, important to his mythology about himself, um, about his his uh, the ways that he has strayed off the straight and narrow, ways that he's violated his, his oath, his um, commitment as a patriot, representing literally wearing the red, white, and blue, representing the United States of America at the Olympics. This case cries out for it. And I kind of see his point. Um, nobody was injured or damaged as a result. He didn't pick up a flagpole or a fire extinguisher or a police uh, baton or shield. He didn't injure anybody. He was criminally stupid. He was criminally, uh, he, he put law enforcement in harm's way in resisting arrest. Every ounce of law enforcement that had to be devoted to him, subduing him, getting him out of the Capitol as one less police officer that's devoted to doing something like battling the uh, in a barbaric way, battling the protesters at the West Terrace Portico or, or helping elected officials flee to safety. So I understand why, and he understands why he's going, he's in the criminal justice system and is now a convicted felon, losing his right to vote, lost his children, lost his job, lost everything about it, paid a price, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, maybe not completely a debt to society, but the judge says, why don't we have him do 360 hours of community service? We'll put him on three years of probation, have him do at least 10, month, 10 hours a month of community service, reaching out to uh, not, not you know using a, a stick with a, a nail in it to pick up litter on the street. Have him go into schools and colleges and swimming clubs and all that and tell about the woeful tale of uh, Cleet Keller and his fall from grace and why he's apologetic. You know, make sure the speech is cleared by the probation department so he doesn't suddenly go cuckoo and start doing some MAGA things while he's up there because I don't think that registers as community service. But I assume the people hosting him will report back dutifully to the probation office about uh, what he said. And I'm sure the probation office will take a look at the speech and the notes about what he did. And I sort of see the judge's point Many, many of these people shouldn't, shouldn't see the light of day for a long, long time. Just to keep track, because it's been a long time since we've done sort of a, sort of a scorecard for the Department of Justice, which is admirable. In, um, there's about 1,200 Gen 6 protesters, insurrectionists who were charged. 900 of them, as of this hot take, have pled guilty or have been convicted by a jury or a judge sitting in, uh, in a bench trial. The remaining 300, and that's a lot, are still in the criminal justice system awaiting a trial, continuing to plea, negotiate, and are, and are awaiting sentencing. And those will be, I'm sure, that backlog, that backlog will be caught up in 2024 as they continue, even to this day, the Department of Justice and the FBI continue to obtain um, new leads, find other people that think that they have escaped the um, watchful eye of the U.S. government, the Department of Justice, when they have it. Um, they'll get around to finding them. Now, I want to contrast that, the Department of Justice doing its job, prosecuting and uh, putting to trial or getting plea deals with 300 remaining, 1,200 total, and still going out to find new people. 
with what the Speaker of the House and President has done in the release of the Jan 6 video, but with the faces blurred out so that um, no uh, criminal focus will come to the people that are seen on those videos. Now, let me clear that up for a minute. The Department of Justice has the unblurry version of that Jan 6 video. So it's not hiding it from the FBI or the Department of Justice. But the Speaker of the House knows that there are organizations online, sleuthing organizations online, who make it their job in their off time to search through social media and video and try to make a match and identify the people that are in those videos that haven't yet been brought to justice. And he doesn't want to help them. Right. Because bringing people to justice for attacking our capital is not part of the MAGA plank for the uh, for election. It's not part of their campaign. It's not part of their code or moral uh, ethos. Uh, if you are a Republican, you are allowed to storm the Capitol and call for the heads of elected officials and uh, get away with it uh, without scot-free, without being imprisoned. And that's that party. Contrast that with a party that the Midas Touch Network and this YouTube channel focuses on and their morals, their ethics, their patriotism and the like. And that's what's brought Cleet Keller full circle in the hot take to justice. And I do agree with the judge in this one and not with the Department of Justice that having Cleet Keller spend you know, four extra months um, in a sentence and or in prison the whole time is not going to have the same kind of effect as Cleet Keller going to a middle school or a high school and talking to kids about who, who he can make an impact on and change the direction of their life course. And I think that is a proper use of probation uh, in this case, given all the rest of the things and punishments that have been visited upon the head of Cleet Keller. Yes, based on his own conduct. I'm not making it as an excuse. This is just an explanation and my view about the propriety of the sentence. Well, that's what I do on hot takes just like this one, only on the Midas Touch Network, and then on a uh, twice a week podcast that we curate for you at the intersection, at the corner of law, justice, and politics. We call it Legal AF. Yep, that's what you think. Wednesdays, Karen Freeman, Ignifolo, and this guy. Saturdays, Ben Mycellus, and this guy. And then on hot takes, the leaders of Legal AF bring these hot takes about every hour. Why? And he understands why he's going. He's in the criminal justice system and is now a convicted felon, losing his right to vote, lost his children, lost his job, lost everything about it, paid a price, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, maybe not completely a debt to society, but the judge says, why don't we have him do 360 hours of community service? We'll put him on three years of probation, have him do at least 10, month, 10 hours a month of community service, reaching out to uh, not, not you know, using a, a stick with a, a nail in it to pick up litter on the street. Have him go into schools and colleges and swimming clubs and all that and tell about the woeful tale of uh, Cleet Keller and his fall from grace and why he's apologetic. You know, make sure the speech is cleared by the probation department so he doesn't suddenly go cuckoo and start doing some MAGA things while he's up there. Because I don't think that registers as community service. But I assume the people hosting him will report back dutifully to the probation office about uh, what he said. And I'm sure the probation office will take a look at the speech and the notes about what he did. And I sort of see the judge's point. 
Many, many of these people shouldn't, shouldn't see the light of day for a long, long time. Just to keep track, because it's been a long time since we've done sort of a, sort of a scorecard for the Department of Justice, which is admirable. In, um, there's about 1,200 Gen 6 protesters, insurrectionists who were charged. 900 of them, as of this hot take, have pled guilty or have been convicted by a jury or a judge sitting in, uh, in a bench trial. The remaining 300, and that's a lot, are still in the criminal justice system awaiting a trial, continuing to plea, negotiate, and are, and are awaiting sentencing. And those will be, I'm sure, that backlog, that backlog will be caught up in 2024 as they continue, even to this day, the Department of Justice and the FBI continue to obtain um, new leads, find other people that think that they have escaped the um, watchful eye of the U.S. government, the Department of Justice, when they have it. Um, they'll get around to finding them. Now, so I want to contrast that, the Department of Justice doing its job, prosecuting and uh, putting to trial or getting plea deals with 300 remaining, 1,200 total, and still going out to find new people with what the Speaker of the House at present has done in the release of the Jan 6 video, but with the faces blurred out so that... Um, no uh, criminal focus will come to the people that are seen on those videos. Now, let me clear that up for a minute. The Department of Justice has the unblurry version of that Jan 6 video. So it's not hiding it from the FBI or the Department of Justice. But the Speaker of the House knows that there are organizations online, sleuthing organizations online, who make it their job in their off time to search through social media and video and try to make a match and identify the people that are in those videos that haven't yet been brought to justice. And he doesn't want to help them, right? Because bringing people to justice for attacking our capital is not part of the MAGA plank for, the, uh, for election. It's not part of their campaign. It's not part of their code or moral uh, ethos. Uh, if you are a Republican, you are allowed to storm the Capitol and call for the heads of elected officials and uh, get away with it uh, without scot-free, without being imprisoned. And that's that party. Contrast that with the party that the Midas Touch Network and this YouTube channel focuses on and their morals, their ethics, their patriotism and the like. And that's what's brought Cleet Keller full circle in the hot take to justice. And I do agree with the judge in this one and not with the Department of Justice that having Cleet Keller spend, you know, four extra months um, in a sentence and or in prison the whole time is not going to have the same kind of effect as Cleet Keller going to a middle school or a high school and talking to kids about who, who he can make an impact on and change the direction of their life course. And I think that is a proper use of probation uh, in this case, given all the rest of the things and punishments that have been visited upon the head of Cleet Keller. Yes, based on his own conduct, I'm not making it as an excuse. This is just an explanation and my view about the propriety of the sentence. Well, that's what I do on hot takes just like this one, only on the Midas Touch Network, and then on a uh, twice-a-week podcast that we curate for you at the intersection, at the corner of law, justice, and politics. We call it Legal AF. Yep, that's what... 
yeah, that's pretty sad that uh, these people are ruining their lives for Diaper Donald's, the worst and most pernicious traitor in history. And guess what? Everybody should know and pass this along that he is listening or he's reading. The only thing he reads for pleasure is Adolf Hitler's speeches. It's annotated. He's got a book of annotated Hitler speeches, Mein Kampf. I heard it was Mein Kampf, and then I heard from Barbara Walters confronted him about it. I've actually posted some time ago, uh, you know, a clip from her interview of him. And he's got it in a, a locked cabinet, <clears throat> according to Ivana's divorce papers. So there you go. There's a, like an overt Hitler wannabe tyrant, petty tyrant, who has been very honest about what he wants to do. He wants to have a fucking concentration camps. What the fuck is wrong with you idiots? You know, like, can't you, can't you, uh, it's not even a hint. Can't you process these facts, these horrific, horrific facts? He's going to, by the way, if you're a veteran, he's going to, he's going to get rid of the Veterans Administration. He would have done that before, but it was a deeply, it's such an unpopular move for obvious reasons. Um, you know, all these, uh, if you're a veteran, you will not get any better veterans benefits because he's going to dismantle that administration as well if he gets into power. So, um, there are several things. There are lots of things you can do. Don't tune it out. And tell other people, if they they don't want to have anything to do with the news, tell them they, they better fucking pay attention or if they, unless they want to live in a dictatorship. Fucking fascist dictatorship. You know, this guy's pulling out all the stops. If he, if he is allowed to run for office, um, there won't be any more elections because he will, he is completing what he wanted to do on January 6th, which is to install himself as king. He wants to be fucking king. That's, that's why he admires these dictators so much. MBS and Kim Jong-un and Xi, President Xi in China. All these people are carrying out atrocities against their own populations, and that's what he wants to do. So fucking wise up. Jeez. Americans are so dumb sometimes. The world is looking at them. What the fuck is wrong with them? Why don't they put him in jail? He fucking... He incited an... Uh, you know, I want to say revolution, a rebellion. It's a terrorist attack on Congress. What the fuck is wrong with you people? He fucking incited a terrorist attack on national, international TV for the world to see, and he's still not in fucking jail. I suggest you call, you call all three branches of government and tell them what the fuck is your problem. Okay, the the Justice Department. Tell them to. To, where's the special prosecutor to lock up all these fucking insurrectionists in Congress, the Republicans who took part? There's over 175, 176 uh, Republicans who signed off on overturning the elections so he could install himself king. Those motherfuckers are still in Congress. Call 
the Justice Department, 202-514-2000. Call the White House. It's, they're only open from 9 to nine to 5. Um, Part-time staffed by old people, 202-224-31. No, 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 that's Congress. Congress is 202-224-3121. And the White House is 202 uh, 